Listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV Maastricht 107.5 FM. I hope you enjoyed the last song that we just listened to. Um, this was Under the Table by Fiona Apple. Um, a really fun song about, you know, just not just refusing to be quiet in the face of injustice, which really does tie into our topic of discussion for today. I'm joined by our host, um, our host Alina. Hello, hello. Yes, I'm um, also joined. Um, yeah, you can introduce the whole, most of the topic, but since it's your, you've planned and everything. But um, we also have our other guests, Anna and Bella. Yes, thank you. The voice that you just heard was Zaki doing tech as usual. Thank you. <laughs> and yes, I am Alina. I'm your host for today, and I'm here with Bella and Anna. Uh, and I would like you to introduce yourselves, and then I'm, I'm going to introduce myself after. Bella. Sounds good. Um, well, my name is Bela. I'm from Berlin and I've been living in Maastricht for the last three years. Um, yeah, what else to say? <laughs> I, um, yeah, I would consider myself um, a queer activist and a podcast host. Also, I started my own podcast this year and that's been really fun. And yeah, other than that, I engage a lot with different topics around intersectional justice and transformative justice. And I'm really curious for the talk and thanks for the invite. Thank you. Anne? Um, hello, my name is uh, Anna. I'm from the Netherlands. Um, I've been in Maastricht for most of my life now, actually. Um, 
Sorry, I'm like, <laughs> I already said before and I would overthink this introduction and I'm still <laughs> overthinking it on the spot right now. Um, I guess what's, um, what people, most pe a lot of, what most people kind of know me from is um, from the Amnesty International Student Organization here in Maastricht, but also just um, having uh, been involved with or taking part of like um, several different uh, groups, organizations, movements, or just a general protest here in Maastricht. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Nice. Uh, what about you, Zaki? Uh, yeah, I've been in Maastricht for the past two and a half years. I go to conservatory. I'm from Philadelphia in the United States. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I used to be a lot more active in terms of activism, um, but now it's more so I'm just kind of taking a step back just because, I don't know, in Philadelphia we had a lot of protests, particularly during my adolescence in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement and things like this, and I kind of got disen sort of disillusioned with protest itself um, because I've noticed that a lot of times people don't necessarily organize, but I really am really passionate about um, working to change these systems that work to oppress marginalized people around the world. Yes, one system, one fight. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love that phrase. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, also, I consider myself an intersectional activist uh, here in Maastricht. I've been only for a year, but probably the first time I um, got into activism was two or three years ago. Um, and um, yeah, I'm trying to do my part through the radio, through being part of Khan party uh, that we've talked about two weeks ago on the radio um, and other organizations, but yeah, occasionally and the events and protests all the time, of course. Um, yeah, and the reason why I chose to do this uh, or to talk about this topic uh, today was that I believe that this um, activism work starts within ourselves with uh, um, re-educating uh, ourselves and our thoughts sometimes and practices. Uh, but I think it matters a lot to also show it and engaged in communities and know other people and learn from other people but first of all listen so that's what we're going to talk about um, today and um, yeah it's a topic that really speaks to my heart because I feel like injustice happens social injustice in general happens on a local level and global level and sometimes we're overwhelmed by it so it's important to see what we can do step by step not to um, yeah, burn out as activists, but also keep uh, learning and fighting and uh, empowering the voices of the others. Um, what are you? Why are you passionate about this? If you have some input, I think it's just really important in general to call out different forms of injustices and also understand how these different forms of oppression intersect and how they historically come about. I think for me that's always a very interesting dimension of the whole topic because the history as we learn it today is in many ways whitewashed, male, well like male-washed and cis-washed, if you could say so, that you only hear a certain side of the story and that oftentimes there's much more to it and there's, um, there's perspectives that have been sidelined always and you can also see that within um, within different topics, different struggles, you can see how much media representation they get, how much they are like talked about on in in the in the like public discourse and so I think many many topics go unnoticed when they don't affect like white people and when they don't affect especially like white male people and so I think it's it's always important to to keep bringing it up to just not get tired of having these conversations and also to envision a future actually that is different I think for me that's very powerful to not only think in the past and in the present what's everything that's going wrong but also to think about our own utopias how how does a um, queer utopia look like? How does a black utopia look like, for instance? And to actually realize that it is not, it is not a dream, but it can also become a reality. Yeah, and I feel like that's when the sense of responsibility comes through when we 
want to actually do something for this world that we envision. Yeah, um, I just want to say that it's about time to go to our next song, um, which is They Don't Care About Us by Michael Jackson. Um, yeah, hope y'all enjoy. Fitting. Very fitting, I think so. Excellent choice. Hello, hello, welcome back. You're listening to RTV Maastricht 107.5 FM. Here at Student Radio, and you just listen to Michael Jackson, They Don't Care About Us. And 
it's a nice transition to the yeah the continuation of our talk about intersectional activism. Uh, I'm Alina, your host. I'm here with uh, Bella. Uh, Hi. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Okay, Zaki. Uh, <laughs> yes, I. Yes, and Anna. Yes. No worries. Uh, okay, and um, yeah, just as uh, maybe an introduction, I can say that intersectionality is uh, the where uh, the acknowledgement that everyone um, has their own experience uh, with discrimination and privileges and. Um, yeah, social interaction uh, that actually affects our daily lives. And um, yeah, we must uh, consider all these um, aspects before, or yeah, aspects that can margin marginalize someone. And when I say these aspects, I mean starting with um, race, gender, sexuality, status, education, uh, is there something I'm missing? Or oh, there are a lot of them. Age. Abilities. Abilities, yes. Yeah, exactly. Religion. There's, I mean, there's all of these different systems. But I want to point out also that the intersectionality as a term and as a concept was really originated by a black woman, Kimberly Crenshaw, um, in the United States. And it was really... Like the historically, it was really meant to point out the kind of the difference in the ways that um, feminism historically has treated white women versus black women. Um, so, an example that I might use is that so like um, second wave feminism was very much about um, about um, bringing women to an equal standing in the workplace. Um, where, you know, so, but if you think about it, black women in the United States at least were very often working as maids, which means they were never really excluded from the workplace. It was really white women who were excluded from the workplace, and so they did not really have that power in that, in that sense. Um, and so intersectionality was really a way of looking at, you know, how are different people affected by these different systems that are working against them? How, because, you know, homophobia for me is not going to make the same as for us homophobia for another person who may not be black. And so, yeah. Yeah, uh. I, think, I think that's really important to point out that there, that where it originated from, and that of course it was already used before Kimberly Crenshaw, but she like really coined this term, and that also there is quite a lot of debate about whether this very frequent use of the word intersectionality when it comes to other markers of systems of oppression is actually adequate because it originated in the context of the empowerment of women of color. And I think there is a lot of like added value to bring in other categories. And but I think it's also important to always keep in mind that, yeah, th it is just very different. And there's also different degrees to which some markers of identity affect you compared to others. And race just happened to be one, if not the most significant. And I think, yeah, we also should always keep this in mind that yeah, even if you may be like queer or you have a disability, your whiteness will always be a huge privilege that you have. And um, yeah, so that I think it sets the scale a bit differently. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's important to keep in mind, uh, especially when we're protesting or advocating for a group of people. Um, that there are different categories within that group of people. So even if we go to a Black Lives Matter protest, uh, we should consider all the categories, including yeah, black women, black queer women, trans people, yeah, basically everyone. Uh, Anna, what do you think about it? Yeah, and I think also that um, that intersectionality is not just only important, for example, when you look at um, who is going to speak at a protest, or I think very often it is um, most often only shown and who is in the forefront, who is in the face of, but that, that this is not the only dimension that this should be extended to, but also, um, for example, um, in how is the organization thereof? Do people feel safe? Do people feel heard as well? Um, so um, I think this is uh, quite important to consider as well, is that your, that your intersectionality also has to be truly intersectional and not just, be, uh, not just have the face of it intersectional as well. Yeah, right, because then it comes it turns in really easily into this tokenism idea that you you just have to get that one like quote 
like the quota black person the quota old person the quota this disabled person just to appear like woke or appear to be intersectional because it's that's also, I think also a problem with the popularization of the term that it has become such a buzzword and that it's really that which comes together with this idea of wokeness that it's sort of a status symbol I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I agree indeed. Is that it should not be a hindsight, like a hindsight aspect of how will, how will I be perceived if I do this, yeah. but kind of something that already goes in the forefront. Um, uh, even when like just the concepts are uh, when when just conceptualizing um, what will happen is that it should already be there. And I think um, it's it's something that, um, for example, I personally hear a lot when it comes to disability. Um, that um, for a lot of people having um, uh, disability. Mm, how do you say this? Um, uh, if they feel if they put a disabled a speaker with disability on the forefront should suffice to have this um, mm. quote unquote checkbox ticked off, yeah. um, but that um, does not necessarily mean anything. If, for example, your um, entire um, let's say let's for example say a protest if your entire protest is inaccessible, mm. then you're already kind of yeah you you've already not succeeded from from the get go. Yeah. Anna, let's put a pin in that right now because we do have to go to the next song, but thank you for much bringing that point because I think that something that I think that's really good to maybe continue on in the next discussion when we talk about privilege. Um, but right now we're going to go to our next song. Ah, ironically, also, because we're talking about privilege next, and we're gonna, the next song is the story of OJ by Jay-Z, a very, very, very privileged man, despite the fact that he's black, intersectionality. Um, <laughs> enjoy um, the story of OJ by Jay-Z. Take it back to the beginning. I could have bought a place in Dumbo before it was Dumbo for like two million. That same building today is worth 25 million. Guess how I'm feeling? Dumbo. Light nigga, dog nigga, faux nigga, real nigga. Rich nigga, poor nigga, house nigga, feel nigga. Still nigga. Dark nigga, faux nigga, real nigga, rich nigga, poor nigga, house nigga, feel nigga. Still nigga. Still nigga. You wanna know what's more important than throwing away money at a strip club? Credit. You ever wonder why Jewish people own all the property in America? This how they did it. Financial freedom, my only hope. Fuck living rich and dying broke. I bought some artwork for one million. Two years later, that shit worth two million. Two years later, that shit worth eight million. I can't wait to get this shit to my children. Y'all think it's bougie, I'm like, it's fine, but I'm trying to give you a million dollars worth of game for 999. I turn a two to a four, four to an eight. I turn my life into a nice first week release date. Mm. Y'all here still taking advances, huh? 
Me and my niggas taking real chances, uh You on the gram, holding money to your ear There's a disconnect, we don't call that money over here, yeah Light nigga, dark nigga, faux nigga, real nigga Rich nigga, poor nigga, house nigga, feel nigga Still nigga Still nigga Nigga, dark nigga, faux nigga, real nigga, rich nigga, cold nigga, house nigga, feel nigga, still nigga, still nigga. You have just listened to uh, the story of OJ by Jay Z. Um, you listen to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV Maastricht 107.5 FM. And yeah, this is Aki, your tech for today. And I'm here by, with our ho- with our actual host, Alina. <laughs> Hello again. Welcome back. Um, yeah, I'm here with uh, my guests, Bella and Anna. We're talking. We were actually talking about something very interesting and how. Um, tokenism sometimes um, yeah mixes up in our <laughs> daily lives and why it's important to acknowledge that and what is true in- intersectionality and um, yeah well, I think it's a good transition to just talk about uh, privileges um, because uh, also as Bella mentioned earlier uh, we are all privileged or yeah, we can be privileged in some aspects and oppressed in the others, and it's important to acknowledge when we have a privilege and how we can use it for the best. What do you think about it? I mean, yeah, I mean, privilege, I think. The way I, the way I think of privilege, a lot of, so a lot of white Americans, particularly poor white Americans, get very, very mad at the idea of white privilege. Um, and so and I think this comes from the idea that privilege is something that you have an inherent benefit or like something that is given to you which i mean that is one way of conceptualizing it but i think the more a more useful way of thinking about it is the freedom from additional worries because of a certain thing that marginalizes you so like like so like what i would say to a very to a poor white person in the united states if who doesn't believe in white privilege okay Go about think. Imagine your daily life, all the things that you do, that other things that suck as well. Currently, fine. All the things that do that you struggle with in your life. Imagine all these things, but now you are black. What additional things do you have to worry about? The things, the fact that you don't have to worry about those things is privilege. Yeah, think, oh. go for it. I think someone also like phrased it very beautifully: is that privilege is often a crown that you don't realize that you're wearing. Um, and um, I guess this is may, might, might, might make it very complicated for a lot of people to understand the whole discussion r- surrounding um, privilege. Um, it's not an excuse, of course, but it's at least an, an explanation. And um, I have to say, for example, from personal experience, I recognize this very strongly um, because I have like a unique perspective as in I've gone from... Um, being uh, non-disabled to suddenly having a disability and uh, going from one of the other then suddenly I realized just also how um, how how much I was profiting off of being uh, non-disabled in a world that is um, yeah it's that's just is inherently uh, made for the non-disabled and um, the moment you have a disability um, it, 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 mm, sorry that's <laughs> phrasing words um, and uh, also how I um, often get shocked at for example my own activism realizing just also how um, I for example did not um, think about a lot of perspectives that only really came to me the moment that I started living it myself which of course makes you reimagine mm. and what other fields is this is this lacking and um, yeah sorry what do you think about that no I think that's a really good point that you most of the times don't see the don't see the privilege of yourself until you're really confronted by it, and I think that's also why it is why you need to do this work constantly because y- you always forget about it, and that's completely natural because you do not struggle with your privilege. Sometimes I hear these these notions or these narratives of especially like white men white cis men that are like yeah but now i'm thinking so much about my privilege like it's so hard so like difficult and i'm struggling with it 
And of course, then it's easier to, to not think about it at all. But at least thinking about it is a first step and also how you can use your privilege to a certain extent to increase the well-being of other people. And there I would like to bring in the idea of like um, privilege or discrimination as being structural and institutional. Also relating to what you said, Anne, that it's not just on a personal level that in some situation someone can face sexism, someone can face racism, but it's also that is also how our societal Western um, framework is constructed, that the, that cisgender people have privilege in anything, that white people have privilege in everything, that people with, without a disability have, ever, um, <laughs> have an advantage in everything. So I think that's why, that's where privilege comes in when you can see on a personal level how you benefit structurally from the system. And I guess this is also very important then to take with you um, in, in your activism is that if you are in your activism not ready um, to dismantle an entire system that you've been uh, consistently profiting of, then uh, you have to ask your de yourself the question, who am I actually then doing this activism for and is it actually genuine? That is an excellent Excellent point. Um, yeah, I find, which is actual, actually part of the reason why I mentioned before I got quite disillusioned with everything in the United States, with protesting in the United States, was the fact that I found that a lot of people were very much performative in their, more performative in their activism yeah. than actually intending to do really something substantial. They were just really looking for the brownie points of like, oh, cool, you're doing activism. Nice. But what are you actually doing to change things? Yeah. I guess we've also even... Um Yeah, that a lot of people only really um, become involved in activism or even just, for example, share that one Instagram post just because people feel expected of them to share it. They're faced of what are the repercussions for me if I don't share it as opposed to yeah, um, what are the actual... Um, But what what is the what is the actual reason? Do I actually care for about, about this cause, and why should I care for it about this, about it as well? And I think that's a problem when when an issue of oppression becomes about you <laughs> and not about the people affected by it. Then I think yeah, there's something wrong in the dynamics because in the end, you are still a privileged person, and the uh, the question of whether or not you should post something on Instagram is extremely irrelevant compared to um, compared to the actual situation of people affecting by different systems of oppression and I think especially I've seen this a lot with the like free Palestine um, movement that particularly re-emerged in the last few weeks and um, with the very like the aggression from the Isla Israeli settlers and the state that a lot of people felt like posted something just like once or twice to you know have said something and then a lot of the times I actually do think that it's better sometimes to just not say anything and let other people speak and um, and educate yourself and I do think that there's a much bigger merit in for example attending a workshop attending a seminar reading actually a scholarly article or supporting someone financially or yeah rather than just like reposting one aesthetic story. It's like, do you post a black square? Like, did people post a black square because they um, actively felt something about it or just because when people ask them about it then they can look back on their Instagram time and be like, look, yes, I did this. I'm not a racist. Or yeah, so it's performative <laughs> activism. Imagine if people actually did the work that, they were, that, that was needed to, you know, make the world better. But funny enough, that is actually the title of our next song. Um, it is called Imagine uh, by DJ Newmark and Pomo. Yeah, hope y'all enjoy.
I hope y'all enjoyed that. Yeah, that was a cover of uh, John Lennon's Imagine. Um, the cover was done by DJ Newmark and Pomo. Um, yeah, we're still here talking about uh, activism and intersectionality. Yeah. Uh, I'm here with our guests and with our host and our guests. Or, well, our host for today is Alina. Hello. Yes. And then we also have our guests. Please introduce them. Please introduce yourselves. I mean, just say hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> that was Bella and Anna. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so um, yeah, we are continuing talking about activism, uh, intersectionality, privileges. And I'm actually learning a lot from you guys. And I hope our listeners are learning as well. And yeah, um, I think allyship, um, well, it would be, let's say, the next step after we acknowledge the privileges we have and we reflect on them and we try to be true to ourselves. What you said uh, earlier and really resonated to me because it takes time to internalize this knowledge even if you are um, actively educating yourself uh, it might seem a lot and really have to reflect on how you um, um, engage oh, no how you put this in practice and um, how would you make it um, true full and honest in a way uh, not just performative activism um, what's your experience with uh, with maybe we can get better uh, later to uh, advices on how to be a better ally but yeah in general what do you think about it then I think personally that learning how to be an ally is a never-ending journey um, and pretending that you are already doing it perfectly from the start is um, kind of doing um, not just yourself but just basically doing everyone around you as well at this service because it, um, everyone can always like improve from these fronts um, but also um, yeah it's um, it's always uh, for me like it, it, it's it's always still like a learning curve and sometimes you think back on like the certain ideas that you had even though you, you were well-intentioned um, you just kind of look back and I'm like oh god what was I doing um, and I think this is um, it, it is um, more important that you at least for me I felt like um, but also like hearing very often conversations around me it's extremely important um, to not be discouraged by that um, and to kind of um, keep going but also to also not center indeed um, this discussion around yourself um, of course because um, whether or not I'm a good ally for example let's say to uh, the cause again like an anti-racist cause I'm not the one who di dictates that I'm not the one who make that decision um, so where was I going with this I'm very sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh I actually forgot to maybe define it a bit because uh, for some people it might be a new term you never know all of us started somewhere. And I think allyship is a, is a way of life that, um, yeah, it's kind of a lifestyle that we ha can have in order to, and we fight, oh, wait. <laughs> we try to ensure equality and inclusivity um, and opportunity to everyone. How would you define it, Bella? I think, I think that's a pretty good definition. And I think what, Anna, what you said about it being a journey and it being constant repetition and constant struggle in a sense, I think is very true that I like the saying a lot that allyship or being an ally is a verb. So it's something you do. It's not something you are. So you, you are, you can be an ally in some aspects and not an ally in other aspects. And I think I've learned that personally by reflecting on different ways of how I'm trying to be an ally for other people but also being trans or non-binary how other people are an ally to me so I think looking at it from these different sides I can really see where some people fail to be an ally even though even though they think uh, they think they are but and that makes me think if I'm actually being an ally like I'm thinking okay I am an ally to my friends of color but then maybe there are still certain things that implicitly are racist, which is completely normal because we are brought up in a, or we socialize in a racist society. So it's not necessarily your fault as a person. Again, it's the, it's the structural level and not your individual 
fault but yes i think it's it's therefore a constant reminding it's a constant reflection and it's a constant like relearning in a sense yeah and also allyship is not always about convenience it's almost never convenient so it's doing the hard work in a way and it should be comfortable if it's comfortable maybe it's not allyship i think also what you said as well is that i think for a lot of people it's not entirely it's it's not completely clear that allyship doesn't show or is has quote-unquote fulfills itself by showing up to a protest or anything yeah. like this but that it does have to reflect in every aspect of your life so who mm. for example um do i choose to speak out at certain moments even yeah. if the a, a, a person who would be personally um affected by it are they not in the room anymore um questions for example where do i put my money into um and how does this um basically benefit or um um, harm society um, all these kind of questions so it's not just a need what's been said it's not just like yeah not just um, what you outwardly reflect towards others but also like what personal date what personal steps am I taking in my day-to-day -day life in order to improve the world for the people around me uh, one point I would make is that for me the way I see allyship is that I cannot call myself an ally someone else has to tell has to say that you are an ally it's not something that you can just say that oh i i, I identify as an ally no someone has <laughs> to say that you that you are an ally for them because um, otherwise it becomes too easy for it to become to be performative and then allyship itself becomes meaningless to me that's why i see it at least and you would also not have to expect to be thanked for it i think this is something yeah. that happens very often where people feel that oh well but i put in the hard word why are people not thanking me or centering themselves um mm -hmm. the discussion around themselves as well again um so it's um it's 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 like people would say it's thankless work but it's not even that you should not just not expect that thank you to begin with exactly well on that note it's actually a time to go to our next song, which is uh, the classic John Mayer song, Waiting on the World to Change. I hope y'all enjoy. See everything that's going wrong with the world and those who lead it. 
Hello, hello, welcome back. Uh, you just listened to uh, John Mayer waiting on the world to change. We are actually not waiting for it to change. We are <laughs> trying to <laughs> make the change. Um, We're not trying. We're actually making the yes. change ourselves. Yes, we are. Ma- we are the change um, on a personal and systemic level. And uh, yeah, I'm Alina um, here with uh, Bella, Anna, and Zakim. And uh, we talked today about activism, allyship, privilege. And um, for the last uh, thoughts from my side, well, I think first uh, steps to be a better ally are to first listen, because it's very easy to take uh, up the space and uh, center activism around yourself or around your group um, but it's better to listen and to tackle your own biases because sometimes it's uh, easier to um, speak up when someone else uh, is um, racist homophobic etc but uh, it's even harder to acknowledge that you are still yeah you still have (laughs) some aspects to work on and um, yeah just acting not performing what are your closing thoughts um who wants to start bella <laughs> <laughs> well what are my closing thoughts yeah i think what what you said really resonated with me i think it's yeah it's super important to keep checking yourself to to constantly rethink patterns of thought and patterns of behavior that you have learned and that you also are reflected upon by societal relations and then and to always question them to always stay critical and to and whenever you are talking about an issue engaging in activism engaging in politics always think about the perspectives that do not affect you personally of course it's also very powerful when you do identity politics in the sense of talking about issues that are affecting you but at the same time i think it's also you know there's a saying of justice is not uh, a bakery you cannot just choose the pie or something like this (laughs) (laughs) but there's like you know there's different like you have to you have to take all the pies, you know, <laughs> in a sense, you have to take all the pies and, oh, and take them all on as your own struggle, because in the end, they're also all interconnected as yeah. we've, um, as we established today, the systems of oppressions are interlocking. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's important Every, to use the privil- our privileges that and we other have. people's struggles relate to your yeah. struggles. And so, yes. Yeah. Um, I guess the only thing that I would just give us like a direct personal advice maybe to people who think that they want to get involved or want to start doing more or for example I guess it's the most generic example always but for example like join a protest or anything like this is always ask yourself very explicitly the question why exactly why, why am I exa- why exactly am I doing this like what is the thought that goes into doing this and whom um, and who exactly am I doing it for um, and if you and anywhere if, if this question realize that the answer is yourself then maybe reevaluate that um, reevaluate that again and also um, that yeah it's, it's been already very sad it's not, not just to speak up about anything that directly affects yourself but also um, really like um, do not burden the people mostly affected by it to uh, even further by forcing them to speak up about um, mm. about this but also be proactive yourself yes well said um unfortunately now we are running out of time there is no music playing in the background subject as human but um to close it out with just a short cultural agenda um for one in case you haven't heard um things are opening up again which is really great um so starting this saturday i know that i will be be working on 10 working at 10 working until 10 p.m which mm. we, and also we're gonna um restaurants will have um i believe some um, some indoor dining um, but also, in addition to this, um, as Katinka, our other, our one of our board members, is very happy to announce, we have study buddies back. Yay! It's a little <laughs> bit late, better late than never. But if you have more exams or resets or a thesis that you have to finish in August, um, yeah, you can just go. You can talk to a coach and get to new, meet new students. Um, so on Monday from four to eight p.m. at the Masters in Week, um, Hochbruchstraat forty-two. 
and um, on Tuesday from 4 to 8 at the Masters in Stadtenquartier, that is Hochfrankreich um, 27. Um, yes, thank you all, guests, so much for coming. Thank you, Alina, for planning and hosting this episode. Thank you, RTV, for allowing us to use your space. Yeah, listening thank audience. You. Yeah. <laughs> happy Pride Month, by the way. Happy Pride Month. I'm very happy. I'm very proud yeah. today. And, and come to the Pride Month on the 19th of June in Maastricht. Bet. At the Gint. I will come. Cool. Um, just so, so you're going you're to listen to the last 30 seconds of Human by Sabdaliza. Enjoy. Have a great See day. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.